It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm just a guy's girl, but we're yeah. in a horrid dorm room drinking yes, loads of beer and they're it. all farting. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're listening to Feminists Don't Wear Pink, the podcast, based on the book Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, a collection of writing by 52 women on what feminism means to them. I'm Scarlett Curtis. I'm a writer, activist, journalist, and very, very proud feminist. I'm also the curator of this book and the presenter of the podcast. During this series, I'm going to be talking to a few of the amazing contributors who've written our book to find out how they found their feminism and some of the lies that they've been told about what it means to be a woman. This week's guest is the hilarious and amazing Lolly Adafopi. Lolly is the funniest person I've ever met, that's a fact, and is best known for her stand-up. She's also filming a huge new show at the moment, Shrill, with A.D. Bryant, and is featured in Hollywood movies like The Spy Who Dumped Me and The Latest Mission Impossible. Lolly and I met a few years ago when I was definitely more of a fan than a friend, but I like to consider her a friend today. Her piece in the book is one of my favourites, and I'm so happy to be welcoming her on the podcast today. Hi, Lolly. Hiya. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having uh, me. So my first question is, are you a feminist? No. <laughs> Imagine. No, I hate, no, I hate all of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really gross. Over it. <laughs> I was, and then I read your book, yeah. and I was like, I'm out. I found that feminists are really annoying, so actually, I'm not a feminist <laughs> anymore. Um, yes, I'm a feminist. Have you always been a feminist? Um, no, I think I went through a period when I was maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'll say younger than it was, mm-hmm. so that I sound. Like I can get away with it because yeah. I was less mature. Maybe I was three. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably like seventeen, and I went through a period of being really like, I don't know. I think we're probably just trying to prove something, yeah, and, and being sort of a bit laddie almost. Yeah. Well, um, this was one of my questions, which mm. I'll bring up. But when, so I'm a huge fan of Lolly. <gasps> I was just saying she's the only person I still get starstruck by. <laughs> um, and when I used to hear about you and like Smithgal Lolly, who's mm-hmm. so talented, <laughs> and then when I first met you, you were like very much friends with this group of boys. And I feel Ooh, like who was that? It was like Paddy and Arthur and everyone. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like I really saw you as like one of those really cool girls that was like kind of mm. one of the guys. Yeah, and yeah. I have never been that, and always wanted to be that. Right. Yeah. Do you think you were that, or was I just pretty? Um, I think I became that much later on in life. Yeah. I think I like I went to I went to an all girls school, okay, and for a long time didn't have any guy friends. Mm. While it, like lots of my friends did, it wasn't like we were all shut off to guys. Yeah. But I was like one of the people who didn't really have many male friends. Mm. Um, but I remember being in primary school and really liking hanging out with boys mm. and just thinking, not that women aren't funny. But <laughs> <laughs> I just, there were like a group of guys in my primary school that were just so funny, yeah. and I was like obsessed with them. And I just wanted to just listen to them talk all the time because they were so funny. Um, and then I went to girl, all-girls school and was just friends with girls. And then I think maybe from being in all-girls school, 
that when I then went to uni, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm sick of girls now for a bit. Because I was at all girls school and you definitely romanticise being friends with guys yeah, because totally. you're surrounded by girls. Yeah. I think I think I went to university thinking, you know what? I'm going to be such a guys girl. Yeah. Went to Loughborough University and realised that they were all trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a few great ones, but like the majority of them were awful people. Yeah. And then was like, oh, maybe I can't be a guys girl. And then while I was uni meeting other people from like when I went to Edinburgh and yeah. places like that met guys that were cool and was like okay you can be a guys girl and be a cool guys girl yeah. and not have to hang out with like gross rugby lads yeah. <laughs> and sort of yeah ruin I'm all your principles I'm just a guys girl but we're <laughs> yeah. in a horrid dorm room drinking yes, loads of beer and they're it. all farting <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um, did your mum talk to you about feminism growing up? Um, I think not in an explicit way Mm. Not in like necessarily the way that I would now in a, in a sort of um, labelling it as this is feminism. Mm. Um, I was always like taught to be very independent um, and not to have to rely on anyone else to, you know, like provide for me. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was ever like regarded as like a specific kind of feminism it was more just like this is how the world is and this yeah. is how you're gonna have to take care of yourself yeah mine was the same and it was mm. kind of similar for me and my brothers i think mm. what we were taught do you have siblings yeah i've got an older brother okay yeah maybe that's also part of why i wanted to be a guy's girl because he yeah. he's really cool and i was like i just want to be as cool as him and hang out with him and his friend <laughs> <laughs> and my younger brothers are really lame so I i've actually met brother. them and i think they're fucking cool yeah now they're really cool because <laughs> i made them cool <laughs> Um, so when did you then like take on that label as your own? I don't know, maybe like around university probably. Mm. I think there were like a load, a load of moments at uni where things would happen that would really annoy me and I would never quite know how to like articulate why they were annoying. Mm. Like I would have, there would be guys who would like make comments about girls and it jarred with me. Yeah. But not in the way that now I could easily be like, that's sexist and that's informed by a misunderstanding of whatever. Yeah. Like, it was just like, every, everyone would go along with it and it was just the norm that you would say things like that and I would be like, mm, I'm not, I can't, I can't articulate it. And yeah. then they, they would sort of like, I think I would get like slightly mocked for not being able to say why and just I would be just presented as being defensive or yeah. being contrary. Um, and like, I think slowly I started to realise I started to like get the vocabulary to be able to realise why things weren't really on. Yeah. So like there would be guys, guys like like I lived with who would just make really like large sweeping statements about the difference between men yeah. and women. <laughs> um, but even that used to be such a thing. Like even yeah. on Friends, I always think about yeah, that with Friends, yeah. and they're like, "You see, Monica." Yeah, exactly. About yeah, and it's and always women. presented as like, "Come on, yeah. you know this is the truth." Yeah, and then you're like, "I don't think it." is though and yeah. you can't quite say why but then slowly you start to realise why and even with like race like I remember one of my housemates who was Asian like we were watching TV and we like a baby came on screen and it was a black baby and he was like black babies are cuter aren't they and it was just like <laughs> and I was like I, I know that you're sort of trying to compliment me trying to <laughs> like, but also I feel like this is wrong <laughs> but I didn't have like the, the like vocabulary to say like actually um we shouldn't fetishize black babies yeah. and um black people can be beautiful not just their babies and all that kind of stuff i was just kind of like i'm just like no they're not <laughs> yeah exactly but i don't they're know why <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're ugly yeah um that so that leads very nicely on to your piece in the book which is mm -hmm. kind of it's called the question and i feel like this is basically performing sacrilege to other white people but i am not <laughs> a fan of black mirror but ah. yeah, but you're um I wrote Black Mirror. Did you? No. 
your piece is very that would be so scary uh, but your piece in the book is a Black Mirror episode that I'd want to watch and it's called right, The Question yeah. mm-hmm. and it's about kind of this choice that you've described it amazingly but a choice between are you black or are you a woman mm-hmm. do you think you kind of became aware of both of those areas at the same time like what you're saying about not having the vocabulary for yeah I think um, I think I think they sort of came at different times but they've both I've both been questioned about both of them consistently if that makes sense right. so like when I was like very young I was I, I was in primary school I was probably like seven and I was just like walking around the playground and then there was two kids who like jokingly were just sort of like going around being like oh that's your wife like oh you're married to her and just like pointing out different girls and then one of them pointed at me and was like oh you're married to her and then he was like no I'm not and then the other kid was like no you can't because she's black and I was like uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> but I think that was probably when I was like oh this oh. is I'm different from yeah. all these other people even though I, like, I felt it in other ways but it had never been like pointed out to me well so how old were you then? I, I must have been like six or seven yeah I mean that's yeah. still an insanely yeah, yeah. But it, it wasn't even like oh no like I'm that. so upset it was just like oh oh this is a thing I can never marry that yeah widow. <laughs> yeah, yeah I see um and then, and I'm trying to think about when I first became aware of being a woman. Um, I definitely became aware of, like, the, the question, mm. as I wrote in the book, when, just like when you get presented things and it's like, black people are marginalised in this way yeah. and women are marginalised in this way. And it's only very recently, I think, that people started to be like, black women are marginalised the most because yeah. of certain things. Um, and just like so many instances where, like... Like when they were announcing, what well, saying who they wanted for James Bond and stuff. Yeah. And they were like, maybe it'll be a black person, maybe it'll be a woman. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, never. There's nothing in two. between. No. <laughs> yeah, that would never um, happen. Even the people like dreaming about it were like, no, that's never gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I guess from like my perspective, like there have been a lot of people writing about this and talking about this for mm. a while. It's just it never spread, and I think. A huge problem with the feminist movement for the past, you know, 200 years Mm -hmm. is that we have had this idea that suffering discrimination is the same for all women. And if we're going to be lifted up, we're going to order it together. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so not the case. Mm. Have you had experiences with that in feminism even today? I don't know if I've had any, like, explicit Mm. moments, but I definitely have, like, noticed things. Again, like, when I was a bit younger and I was, like slowly starting to mm. learn things I would sort of think about when people would talk about feminism and, and really focus on like catcalling yeah I would kind of be like mm. yeah <laughs> I don't know if this is the biggest <laughs> this is my biggest worry at the moment yeah and it kind of felt like that was this huge revolution where like a lot of people became feminists because they were like actually yeah I don't like being catcalled you know I'm actually going to be really feminist now and it's like it's it's one part of it. Like yeah. I'm not saying it's good, but no. It's... But also, it's this idea that you're like all sitting around, like, isn't it annoying when you get catcalled? Is yeah. it annoying when you get hit on the bum? And then you're like, is it annoying when someone shouts a racial slur at you from across yeah, the street? Yeah. And all the other women are like, no, that's not. A yeah, exactly. Thing. And then like... people are like, isn't it annoying when trans people are killed more than any yeah. other? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, uh, no, because it doesn't apply yeah, to us. Yeah, so exactly. like that isn't a feminist mm. issue. Which yeah. and it's something I think is really fascinating is like with the Me Too movement mm. that was very specifically started for black women Mm. who were being sexually assaulted and then because they were women and then unable to speak up because Mm. they were black and they were making very little money and it was you know for women servicing and then it's like again even though I think we're all trying so much harder and everyone's Mm. so much more aware it's been whitewashed and now if you ask like the average person on the street what the Me Too is it's for kind of 
white women. Mm, yeah. And like people, people talk about like uh, R. Kelly. People, yeah. Like everyone talks about R. Kelly and everyone kind of knows about R. Kelly mm. like under the radar. But like I still have conversations with my friends where they're like, why is this not a bigger thing? And it's like, because it's, it's like black a black women. guy yeah. with black women or black young girls that people yeah. don't really care about. The second he did that to a white woman, it yeah, would be front page news. Totally. Yeah. To one white woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the R. Kelly thing makes me so mad. Mm. And like normally I kind of think when there's like problematic stuff mm. and you never know whether to like listen to problematic music or read problematic literature yeah, I still don't know I, think I know I feel like time. it's the same like I think that nobody should read the Daily Mail mm-hmm. but I think that sometimes there's an article that I need to read yeah <laughs> not not in a like a salacious way in a like a interesting like I want to know what the Daily Mail says about this article yeah. and I think I try to rationalise it in my head as saying like okay if I can go on to do something useful from having read this then, then I'll no but I think the Daily Mail's different the thing that I struggle most with is when it's like good art that you actually like and does align with your morals or whatever Yeah, created by bad people. I think if you can justify that you're not listening to it just for I don't know Mm. I I think I would be like if I'm going to use this knowledge that this is problematic Mm. I'm going to like use that and then take that further if I'm going to listen to this music. Also one of my big things is to not endorse it with money anymore. Like, I would yeah, never yeah. pay to I'll see a Woody it. Allen film anymore. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I yeah. might if it was on TV, like, maybe yeah. watch a little bit of Annie Hall. So when did you first get into comedy? Um, I first got into comedy when I was at university mm-hmm. and um, some some third years when I was a fresher sent an email around uh, asking people to audition for a sketch Did you do group. all three years at Loughborough? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm going to audition for that. I wanted to go to Cambridge and mm-hmm. get in because I wanted to be in the footlights. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> because Loughborough has nothing. Uh, what are you talking about? The lo- <laughs> Sorry. Loughborough spotlights. Sorry. Um, yes, Loughborough spotlights. Um, but, so they did sketches at university and then um, went to Edinburgh in the summers while I was at uni. And just to watch. Just to watch, yeah. yeah just to see what was going on. Um, and then saw Sheeps when I was there and found out that they were produced by The Invisible Dot. Because I was just like, I can tell that there's a, a group of cool people and I want to know where they all hang out. Um, so it worked out that it was The Invisible Dot and then uh, applied to be an intern there and then oh, became wow. an intern there and then worked there for a bit. Um, and then when I finished being an intern, I started doing comedy. Amazing. Mm. From intern to star. Oh, it's the gosh. dream. <laughs> uh, so when I first saw your Edinburgh show... Um, I saw Lolly 2. Mm-hmm. Is that two years ago or three years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. And I burst into tears <gasps> because I was so happy that it existed oh. and it was so good <gasps> that I cried, which wow. I haven't done since and it was really weird and embarrassing. Thank you so much. My brother was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah, but it was amazing. And a lot of that show is about the reaction you got to Lolly was it called Lolly One or was it just Lolly? Just Lolly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you wouldn't call Fast and Furious no. Fast and Furious One. <laughs> it would have been a really funny. <laughs> if, yeah, thing if you're to like, we are though. definitely going to do three. We've got yeah. one. Um, did you see any of those responses coming when you did um, Lolly One? No, generally no, because I thought like I just I was I was not really well known when I first mm. went into. it. I think like, there were a few people sort of being like, "Oh, this new um, rising person," but mm. like. I just didn't really think that pe- people would be interested enough to talk about 
something as important as race in my show. Yeah. I just thought that, that would be saved for like a bigger. And you didn't bigger... talk about it, did you? No, I think I, I made like one or two passing jokes to it that were definitely added in really late on. Mm-hmm. So the, like I went into it thinking, I'm going to do this really silly character show. And then even when I was writing the first show, I kind of thought, oh, is it a shame that I'm not talking about something more like deep? Mm. Um, but I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do that in my second show. And that, that'll yeah. be saved for when I've finessed being a character a bit mm. more and when I know like the tools to use. Um, and so I kind of just thought, this is a silly show. And if they don't find it funny, fine, because that's the thing I've tried to make it. Um, but then I just put in like a, a really passing joke about race in it. And I guess that's just what they latched onto because that's... Yeah. And then what happened for any of the um, viewers who were not? Oh, um, so then I got, like, a mixture of reviews. Some, some of them weren't actually reviews. Some of them were just, like, if I was doing a gig, like, the write-up would yeah. say something. Um, so some of the reviews were, like, uh, yeah, wow, she, like, re- like did a little bit about race and we really wish that she'd <laughs> delved into that more. Like, that would have... And it was a three-star review. <laughs> so it was basically being, like, that was the downfall. Like, she if, she, if she'd pushed harder on that, yeah. it would have been a really interesting show. Um, just we were prescribing. expecting more about slavery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we yeah. went into the comedy show. Yeah. The character comedy I show. I came to this uh, comedy <laughs> show expecting a lot more. Um, and, and then there were some shows that were like, uh, some reviews that were like, you know what? Actually, this wasn't a review. This was just a write up about the, the fringe in general. Mm. And it was like, it's so great that these comedians don't feel the need to yammer on. That's paraphrasing, but <laughs> to talk about race anymore. Yeah. Like they can just come to and do a show. And even that was annoying because I was like, I didn't mention race well, really. I mean, all of this is annoying because they mentioned something that wasn't in your show. Yeah, yeah. As if it was normal to mention that. And yeah. that doesn't happen for anyone else. Exactly, yeah. Isn't, yeah, every, yeah, everyone else's show just gets taken for what the show is. Yeah, and, and some if, of them are insane. I mean, you talk mm. about Sheeps. The Sheep show's absolutely mad. Yeah, but it exactly. never goes like, I wish it talked about race yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's not just black people who talk about race. White people can talk about race as well. Yeah. And even if they do, that won't be picked on. Yeah. It'll just be accepted as if that's I'm just I'm going to start normal. reviewing Adam shows just so I can write about everything that's only white. I wish <laughs> she talked about race more. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should do that next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, just, yeah, a mixture of two different kinds of review that were the both thing annoying. I think that makes me so angry on your path in a really <laughs> weird way because I have no right being angry on your path. You do, please. <laughs> I think... I really like talking about feminism and mm. it's kind of one of the only things I'm actually good at. So I don't mind always talking about feminism and being mm-hmm. asked about it. Mm-hmm. But you are like, and I'm just saying this, you are like an extraordinary talent Thank and you. one of the most talented people oh ever. Lord. And that's not in how you talk about race or how you talk about being a woman. It's just in like your insane characters that mm. aren't talking about anything. Mm-hmm. How, does it, do you ever feel, because you do talk about race a bit, do you feel it as like this responsibility or do you, how do you not get furious that you're kind of being forced to be this person outside of your talent um i don't know i guess like when significant things happen to you or when like annoying things happen to mm. you it it is kind of like fodder for your comedy mm. so i it felt like I, I won't be able to just do silly characters forever like mm. i always knew that i wanted to talk about it at some point yeah it's more just um annoying that people seem to demand when that should happen yeah and not like give someone the authority to decide that for themselves yeah um because I've always like wanted to talk about certain mm. things. I've, I've always thought that comedy, people would have different opinions about comedy. People think that it should just be just to make you laugh. It should be to like make you forget about whatever. And I've always 
just thought that what, what I want to do is say something at least, yeah. even if it's not about race. It yeah. Can, it can, but I just want to say something a bit. And well, you're not allowed to talk about anything that's not race <gasps> oh, or being a woman. Other issues oh, on the table, I, yeah. I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You've already got too many <laughs> on your plate. I know. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I was just like, with the first show, I was like, I don't know anything yet about mm. comedy, so I want to practice that first because mm. that's my job or what I want my job to be. Once I know how to do that, I can do comedy mm. about race. But because I, I just thought there's nothing, there could be nothing worse than me doing my first show all about race and it being <laughs> not funny yeah. and just really serious yeah, and people might, being like, "Who is this?" You could have just pivoted it and pretended it was like a lecture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is theatre, guys. Yeah, this is, this theatre. It's not meant to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be amusing. Yeah. Um. Something else you write about in your piece for the book, mm-hmm. briefly, is this idea of like a quota and mm. that kind of I know gets thrown at you and a lot of women and people of colour, especially in comedy, where it's like you were only there to fill a quota. Mm. And it's one of the things that makes me most angry and also that I kind of never feel like I know how to respond to mm. adequately enough. Do you still get those kind of things and how do you yeah. respond? Like it comes down to people thinking that if something is diverse or if something has a black person or mm. a black woman or a woman, that it will be worse. Because if yeah. everyone thought that making something diverse made it better, they wouldn't complain that people were there for, yeah. just for tokenism because they would be like, well, this is this is better. And I think there's just like an ingrained bias where people think that... It's like when you cast a comedian in a film mm. and everyone knows it's to try and make the film better. No one yeah. goes with that, like, oh, they cast comedian to fill yeah, their quota. Yeah, exactly. Of comedians. Yeah, they're like, this is yeah. They they're focus like, on what the person can do. Yeah. Whereas pe- I think people assume that a black person is just a black person. They're not a black person with talent. Yeah. Um, and because people haven't seen as many black faces mm. doing, like, for example, comedy, mm. they just assume that that's because that person isn't good. But it's also just this idea that it would make it better if you're doing a show about the news and mm. you have a woman on it you're mm. going to have more opinions Varied, yeah, about yeah. the news which is what the show is meant to be about yeah, totally. so you're doing a show about Britain and mm. you have it's not all white people mm. it's going to be about a, you know yeah, so yeah. That's a and I think people just have answer. a fixed view of what a woman would say they don't think that there can be a million different kinds of yeah. women who would say a million different things yeah and also that kind of you're like yeah they wanted her because they wanted a woman's view yeah because I think sometimes that's the thing when you try and pretend it's like mm. no they just cast blind and this is yeah, who they happen yeah. to get it's like maybe they did try yeah. or maybe they tried because they thought that was going to make it better yeah exactly and people are like oh so what now we need one of every um, thing now and it's like well why not I'm not yeah. saying that is what we need but why would that be so bad if we had that um, can we talk a bit about what happened to you on Twitter mm. last week or do you not want to talk about it um, I can talk about it okay <laughs> great um, so you sent uh, I've recently had my own experience with um, mm. going viral in sure. a political sphere. <laughs> uh, so we, Welcome. Really commiserated. Um, <laughs> but you posted a tweet and then it went mad. What yes. happened? Um, I posted a tweet, which was a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a, a poster for a comedy lineup, and uh, there were a lot of acts on the lineup. A too lot many acts. Of that, yeah, no, not that. too many acts, but it was a lot of acts. I'd say um, too many acts. I'd be and, home in half time. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> and and in fact, the poster was sent to me by lots of people um, who were like, this is weird. And I th- I thought, wow, that's a lot of white people mm. for a gig. They, they were all white. I think there were five women and 19 men. Yeah. Um, 
and I hilariously tweeted um, someone's dreaming of a white Christmas yeah. because the gig was for comedians singing Christmas songs. It was a festive tweet. It was a festive tweet, and then the tweet blew up, <laughs> guys, and uh, a combination of some comedians who I won't name getting mm. involved and um, and sort of making it into an argument when it wasn't, it was just a joke, and um, very lazy journalism mm. and um, people... I think people just wanted to, wanted it to be a race row because yeah. that's a very um, tasty phrase that people love. you were basically, love. within minutes, framed as this insanely angry, bitter yeah. black woman. Yeah, there were, like, two articles immediately that were, like, comedians' anger over all white comedy gig, yeah. and I was like... It, it was, could have it was been what you were dreaming of. It you could have been what I was serious. dreaming of. Yeah, I could have been saying one of the yeah. songs that one of the yeah. acts was going to sing. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just mad. And if I I just think that if a white comedian had tweeted that, it would yeah. not have been um, something else like that. that made me annoyed is a lot of people who won't be named were tweeting saying like we asked this person and he was busy yeah. and they were all men. Yes, and yeah. they were also all. None of them were black men. They were, yeah. They were, it was quite, yeah. They were, it was I mean, just there was a, a weird of, response to yeah. be like, we asked this person, we asked this person, and then those people kind of tweeting, and it also just didn't. Yeah. I felt I didn't fix. Yeah, and also I think um, I wasn't saying, I can't believe they've not asked any black yeah. people to do this gig or anything like that. I was just pointing out the poster, and I was just like, as I do a lot with like posters that I see that are not very diverse yeah. I just like make a light hearted comment about them um, and just sort of like bring it to people's attention not to say this is horrendous mm. or um, these people should be ashamed of themselves but just to like make people aware of it yeah um, and yeah there were just a lot of men who I mean it wasn't helped that Paul Joseph Watson retweeted it mm. um, but just a lot of men being like just talking about why do we have the mobos <laughs> that kind of thing and like how come we can have um, a music of why black origin um, awards that came up so much <laughs> that's mad yeah it's a really popular argument that people like like to jump on where they're like well if you can have the music of black origin uh, we can have a cherry christmas yeah concert. it's just and then people just being like well um you don't need to have diversity you just you just have the best people and it's like again why again. do you think those things are mutually exclusive yeah um, did you see my comment on your Instagram? I think I did. I said there were more Harry Hills on the poster than people. Oh, yeah, I did see that. It was yeah. quite funny because <laughs> there were two pictures yes. of Harry Hill because he was also a little bird. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. They made him a And a lot Robin. of people were commenting on the fact that the musical director's name is Steve Brown. Um, and that, maybe they thought <laughs> that was really that was their Yeah. Um, um, so it was, just, it was just mad. Like, it would have been one thing if I had started an argument with yeah. the bookers of the gig because that would be like me walking myself into trouble I think but it was literally a joke yeah, that's what was so mad about it I also think it's your industry and that's mm. what makes me angry as well it's like you're not some random outsider like mm. you can kind of talk about this I don't know do you see things changing in comedy for women and around race um, I think so I think there's like a lot of gigs that I see well not a lot of gigs but like a few gigs that I've seen where like it's not hard to book a diverse lineup mm. and I've seen like lots of people like clearly making it their priority and making it their focus and yeah. it not being strayed. I mean, I still see loads of gigs that are not diverse at all, yeah. but I think people are seeing more comedy and seeing 
more mm. diverse comedians and then booking them because they're great. But I also think people are scared of it, and this is something I say to a lot of white people, mm-hmm. is like, until it comes naturally, make an effort. Exactly. Like, it's not supposed to be easy. You know, don't get, like, your next-door neighbour to come and do a comedy set who's never mm. done a comedy set before. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. do things that within reason, but mm. make an effort, and mm. then at some point you'll be... It won't even be second yeah, nature. and totally. All your films will be diverse, and all your lives yeah. will be diverse. But, yeah. it, you know, I think that with films so often it's like we just did auditions and then it was the mm. best people and it's yeah. like you have to try a bit harder exactly that. yeah and that's what I said as well you I was can't like, keep hiding behind that yeah either it's your priority or it's not yeah. and like fine if you don't care about it because that's you can like go and live your life not caring about it but don't pretend to care about it and then just say that it was too hard yeah just own up to it and work a bit harder at it because people are doing it so it's not it's not impossible completely and people are doing it amazingly and mm. it's not Quote or anything. Yeah. Um, you were recently working in America. Yes. On a very exciting show. Yes. Um, do you notice a difference in the way that women, in the feminism in England or America? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think um, things are probably, in my experience, slightly more modern here. Mm. Only because whenever I'm in America, I just see so many weird adverts where I'm like, this would not be on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like just really like antiquated yeah, sexist yeah. adverts, um, but I haven't I haven't had any like bad experiences mm. of sexism in America particularly. How have you found it kind of going from comedy to casting and film and all um, of that? I really like acting, but mm. I I feel like um, I'm not working anywhere near as hard when I'm acting as when I'm writing comedy interesting like if I, I think the hardest this sounds so spoiled <laughs> privilege <laughs> but like the hardest thing that like I do professionally is write an Edinburgh show yeah because that just feels like such a huge thing and yeah. obviously like all comedians make it into such a huge thing and they're very narcissistic no happens, I find but... writing I don't write comedy but mm. writing for me is the hard, harder than anything ever yeah it's yeah, the thing definitely. my brain I get to the day and I'm like my brain is had a full workout. Yeah, yeah, of totally. Just like you've been privilegedly strong. Mm. Whereas with acting, I kind of feel maybe I'm like too hard on myself. I'm always just like, wow, you are being handed everything on play. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, you literally are. Yeah, like they're driving you around and they're telling yeah. you what to say and they're giving you the clothes to wear and they're putting the clothes on you. Mm. Um, and like it's not easy, but I definitely feel like my personal challenge is definitely writing an Edinburgh show. So I, I like when I'm trying to write new material or trying to work towards a show because I feel. Have you had any experiences of people kind of trying to change you or, you know, you hear how many horror stories Mm. of, like, auditions and agents and all of that? Um, Not really. I have a wonderful agent and she's always got my back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I've had, like, auditions that were things that I found just like slightly offensive yeah and but that was like very early on where I was like it's a studio sitcom for BBC One you have to do this <laughs> <laughs> and just see what happens and then I didn't get the part <laughs> there was one where I was like you know what I'm going to go into this audition and I'm going to read those offensive lines and then when I get the part I'm going to tell them actually this is not on oh you know God, what I guys that. It's like I did not get the part but I think now I'm I'm more likely to be like I don't want to do this. Yeah. Um, thank you for the opportunity, but this is not for me. Because mm. um, life's too short. Life is way too short. Yeah. And you should be writing Edinburgh show. I should be writing Edinburgh show. Yeah. I wanted to go to Edinburgh last year and then I couldn't because of Shrill. Yeah. Um, but 
It's going to be worth it. Yeah. One day I'll do it. <laughs> okay, final question. Mm-hmm. What is one lie you've been told about what it means to be a woman? Ooh. I guess um, the idea may be that it's a woman's responsibility to be a feminist and to change things. And that it's kind of the onus. I don't know if that, that's like a lie that's been told to me by one specific person, but... Mm. Um, I think for a long time it felt like men are a lost cause <laughs> and yeah. women are the only ones who can fix things. And I mean, I still feel like that a bit, but... But it shouldn't be that It way. shouldn't be like that. Yeah. yeah, and I think we both know a few men that are amazing feminists and then you're mm. like, oh, this is what everyone should be like. Yeah, yeah. And I think like lots of men are scared to almost like co-opt feminism for themselves and make it seem like yeah. they are just doing this... Um, to seem woke or whatever but mm. it's like well what do you care about do you care about making the world better or do you care about not being embarrassed yeah like just it's embarrassing for a woman so she's feminist yeah exactly exactly everything's embarrassing mm. yeah. yeah i completely agree and i also think men need to realize they are fighting for themselves as well yeah exactly there are not doing so many things about the patriarchy that really hold men back mm. in totally. terms of like emotions mm. and friends and, yeah you know hair length her length, <laughs> her length, nail length, nail length. <laughs> Some of them want to shave their legs. Some of them do. Um, okay, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank where you so can much. people find you and what are you doing next? Um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at lolliadafopi at lolliadafopi on Instagram. Um, my address. <laughs> yeah, my address is. Um, I'm just doing some gigs. I'm doing a gig. Nice. Um, tomorrow night I don't know when this, this doesn't come out today okay. <laughs> this is not live it's not live radio um, I will tweet about them and they'll be on my okay, Twitter great. and stuff I should so also yeah. tweet very well thought through political arguments about race yes that's all I'll tweet yeah. <laughs> and then gig listings yeah. um, okay thank you for being here thank bye. you so much bye thanks so much for listening to this podcast If you've enjoyed it, or even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, published by Penguin Random House, is available to buy now via the link in the description of this episode. All of the royalties from each book sold go to the amazing UN organisation Girl Up, who is supporting girls across the world. For more information and to join our gang, please follow us on Instagram at at feminists. Thank you so much to Audio Boom for helping us get it out there and to the wonderful Pink Feminists who've joined us as guests. We said, we were recording something earlier and I said series and it set off my Siri. Oh, right. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.